The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, today we, we ask that you breathe upon every one of us, Lord. Change our lives with your presence. Let your name and your name alone be glorified. Move mountains to the praise and glory of your name. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So today we are looking at moving mountains. Moving mountains. You know, in, in God's favorite house, we, we do say that if God, the most high God, was to um, worship on a Sunday morning at one location, obviously it can be everywhere at the same time, but if we were to be in one place at one time, where will it be? God's favorite house. This is free house. Where else will it be? With his children. Now, we say that without any apologies. You know, I know some folks usually, they, um, they're like, how can you say you are the only one that is God's favorite house? I remember um, years ago, I was in a mentorship session with um, some great man of God in, 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 in the U.S. And He's an, was an old, he's an old man, 80, 88 or something, 80 something, very frail, but very, um, pretty, very solid. And there were like 40 of us, you know, young pastors who was uh, discipling and he was, had us introduce ourselves, you know, to each other because we didn't know each other. And, and I got up and said, okay, I'm from Munaya, from God's Ruby House in Lagos. And I could see that look on, he actually said it, how can you, you only you be God's Ruby House? <laughs> I explained that, look, listen, God, every church should actually be God's favorite house. Not have the title, God's favorite house, but should be a place where God loves to go because it will get pleasure. What makes a place your favorite place? It's a place you, you find pleasure. For some people, it's, it's, with, the, it's, it's with, their, with their children. They just love to hang out with their children because that's their favorite people. For some people, it's their spouses or their homes. For some people, it's their jobs, unfortunately. For some people, it's, it's their cars. And for, for, for us to be God's favorite people, we, we have to give God pleasure. One of the things that gives God pleasure is worship. We are big on worship. Worship is key, you know. It's not what we do to while away time. The most important part of service, we've said, is when? It's worship. Sacrifice is another thing that gives God pleasure. Sacrifice gives God pleasure. David says, how can I give God something that doesn't cost me anything? I, I don't just do things for God, to God. I do things that pleases God. No wonder God said, I found a man after my heart. Now, worship sacrifice and the other things that pleases God walk by faith. They all walk by faith. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it is impossible.
impossible to please God. So to please God, we need faith. We need faith. Faith is totally indispensable. And we could define faith in many different ways, which are correct, with many big English, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, which are correct. You know, but if you break it down in the final analysis, faith just simply means what you can rely on. What you can rely on. Faith is all about what you lean on. What you lean on. You can mean here, everybody here is sitting on a chair. You are leaning on the chair. You are sitting on the chair. And interestingly, nobody is asked, can I see the certificate of the chair maker to be sure that they are ISO certified? Because I need to be sure before I sat down. Did anybody do that? No. You just came in and you sat down. In fact, many of you, you don't even know the color of the chair you are sitting on. Is it blue or is it red? You don't know. You couldn't care less. Now, the point is, you chose to rely on the chair. God wants you to rely on his promises. God's promises are stronger than the chairs you're sitting on. <laughs> of course. God wants you and I to build our lives on his promises and rely on his promises. We can go to bed with God's promises. We should hold tightly to God's promises. Hebrews 10, 23 says to us that we should keep a firm grip on the promises that keeps us going. God always, I must say always, always keeps his word. God always keeps his word. God is not like us. We don't always keep our words. Sometimes we mean to, but we just don't get to keep our words. But God is not like us. Many times we don't keep our words because we, we forget. We actually meant to do it. You promised your, your, your son, I'm going to get you a flute and you, you obviously you got to work, you don't really remember, you got home and your son is asking, where's my flute, daddy? You're saying, um, they're still cutting the hole in the mouth. Because you don't remember. By the way, that's my story anyway. <laughs> Some of you remember that story. <laughs> but the God we serve is eternal. He remembers everything. He does not forget. He does not slumber. He does not sleep. Sometimes we don't keep our words, not because we don't remember, but because we have run out of resources. When we made the promise, oh, I'm going to give you 50,000 naira, that time you had a lot of money in your account. But by the time the person shows up, ah, <laughs> can we talk about this 50,000? Later, we don't keep the promise because we are, we, are, we are running low on resources. Guess what? The God we serve doesn't run low on resources. He's not waking up today and saying, Chai, that thing I promised uh, 
angels, we are running low on gold, on wealth, on anointing, on favor, on wisdom, on power. Limitless. Totally. Totally limitless. God is limitless. We don't keep our promises sometimes, not because we forget. Not because we can't, but we just change our minds. We just change our minds. A young man says to a young lady, I love you. Three years down the line, four years, five years, five, six years, some two years down the line. He said, I don't love you again. I want a divorce. So they come for counseling. So why do you want to divorce? Pastor, we are, um, the time they use this is now, we have irreconcilable differences. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Irreconcilable <laughs> differences. That is the beauty of marriage. Oh, hallelujah. That's the beauty of marriage. You know, it's the color, it's the things that scar you, that makes the mosaic. Oh, Pastor, you know, I just don't love her anymore. I'm like, okay, is there any other reason? You just don't love her anymore. I don't feel the things I used to feel for him. Butterflies used to be in my stomach, but they are not there anymore. The butterflies have escaped. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Love is a commitment. It's not a feeling. When you stick with the commitment, the feelings come, the feelings go. But the commitment remains. The longer you stay committed, the longer the feelings stay. Praise the name of the Lord. There's no magic to it. But the God we serve is not a man that he should lie. And he's not the son of man that he should repent. He doesn't say, I love you today. And you look down the line and you're not sure where God is or where he stands. Does he really love me? He does. First Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 9, the A part says, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God faithfully keeps his promises. God faithfully keeps his promises. So, do you want a solid life? Do you, do you want a powerful life? Do you want a life that is so rock solid that it's, it's the envy or rather inspiration of the people around you, then you build your life on God's promises. You build your life on God's promises. You need to look for God's promises and build your life on them. When you build your life on God's promises, your life becomes stable. Regardless of the storm, your life is consistent. And we're going to look at one of such promises today. There are thousands of them in the Bible. I'm going to look at just one today. And it's the, it is the mountain-moving promise. In Matthew 17, Jesus talked about the mountain-moving promise.
promise. Verse 20, Matthew 17. You need to come up with these scriptures faster. Hmm? Matthew 17, 20. It says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move here to there. And it will move. Now, the question is, was Jesus lying? Does it really mean this is possible? So, it means that you can move mountains? So, how do you move mountains? You're going to see that today. And it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. We all face mountains. In fact, we go, the Christian life or the human life is the ones that are victorious. You are going from mountain to mountain. When you've surmounted one mountain, you've, you've conquered it or you've moved it, you are rejoicing only for you to discover that, guess what? You need to deal with another mountain. So this life tool or life skill or life knowledge is so key. Everybody has mountains. Things that are too big for you to move. Things that are too big for you to move. Things that when you look at and you look at yourself, you're like, how is this going to happen? We all have mountains. There are only two people that don't have mountains. Children. And people that are in the grave. Children don't have mountains. They don't give a damn. They don't. But you see, for, for, for us, when we look at the things that appear bigger than us, God is saying you should speak to that mountain and that mountain will actually move. The mountain will actually move. So why aren't mountains moving? Why aren't folks able to move mountains? Why are some mountains standing strong and boisterous regardless of what is thrown at them? Why? Today, God is going to unravel all that and empower you to move mountains. Again, you could say, we, we try to unpack things and, and make it, I mean, <laughs> simplify it in a way that everybody can relate to it, you know. But the power therein abides. Praise the name of the Lord. So, how can I move something that is too big to move the mountain? How can I move something that is too big for me to move. Jesus tells us two things we have to do to move mountains. Two things. To move the things that are bigger than us in that passage of scripture. The first thing we need to do, if you are going to move mountains, we have to think big. I was say think big. You have to think big. 
the scriptures that we read in Matthew 17, you're like, okay, Pastor, where's Think Big there? I didn't see Think Big. It's there. It says, if you say to the mountain, move from here to there, it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So if nothing is impossible for you, what will you attempt for God? If nothing is impossible for you, what will you attempt for God? I want us to do um, an exercise that we did at ATM service, which is, if you will, close your eyes and just think. Now, if you are new in gospel, you are new here, and you don't want to close your eyes, please don't open your eyes. Because all this other pastor that has told you to close your eyes, read someone. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I need to keep my eyes open. If you are new here, you want to open your eyes, you are fine. Open your eyes. But if you trust us, you know what we are doing. You know, just for a moment, just keep the eyes closed and, and ask yourself, if nothing is impossible with me, what will I attempt for God? If I have no limit in my life, what mountains, what are the biggest mountains that God might move in my life? What is the biggest thing that I I could possibly imagine God do in my life? What are the things that I can see myself doing or getting done if there were no limits? Start to think. You can, hold your, you can open your eyes now. How easy was that? You notice that it's not easy. It's not particularly very easy at the beginning. You're like, you chuckled. You're like, okay, what might this be? But if you engaged, you discover that your, your mind's eye begins to soar. And you begin to see possibilities and see things. I want to challenge you to write those things down. Write them down. But you need to challenge them because there are things that will stand in our ways of thinking big. The first is ourself, I mean, which is yourself. Classic example, what you've written down, what you've thought about, what you're going to write down. The question is, is if it is about yourself alone or yourself and your family alone, you're thinking too small. It is still too small. You know, for some of us, when you say think big, you just close your eyes and you saw dollars, dollars, dollars. <laughs> I'm just, just thinking big. Now listen, this, God probably want to bless you even more than that. So, so I'm not talking about, that's not a problem. The issue is, it's beyond that. Like we learned yesterday, Jesus' arms are open wide to reach people through you. So if you are thinking, how am I going to get out of debt? Oh, I see myself out of debt. That is so small. You should think big that I see myself actually lending to nations. I see myself actually paying debts of, of I don't want to mention countries' names. Paying off debts of states in Nigeria. I see myself doing that. I mean, then that is thinking big. I see myself, my, the business growing so big that, that I'm employing over 3,800 people. That is beyond you. That is reaching other people. That is thinking big. 
So self gets in the way. Another thing that gets in the way of thinking big is, is fear. It's fair. You know, when we say you should think big, you're like, huh, Pastor has come again, you know, with all this uh, think big, think big, think big thing. You are, you had trepidation. You're like, I've done this before. I mean, this, I don't want to set myself up for disappointment. Let me just manage my little corner, you know, and all that. That can't be God's will for you. That can't be God's will for you. Everyone that is great or has been great and will ever be great, they put themselves in positions where they can be disappointed. If you, if you want to play it safe, you don't want to put yourself in a position that you can be disappointed, you can never achieve greatness. You have to put yourself in positions that it's possible to fail. You have to. And guess what? Because God is on your side, you will not fail. He says, but pastor, I've, I've done this before and you know, I thought big, so big. Now, I'm running away. It's like a nightmare. Guess what? Think again. Think big again. This time with God. And the vision will come to pass. In the mighty name of Jesus. So, when we refuse to be fearful, when we use our eyes and we see as God would have us see, then things begin to change. Things begin to change. And the first thing that changes is our worldview. That's the first thing that changes, is how we see things. The difference between, listen, the difference between people that are doing amazing things and people that are doing mediocre things is how they see things. It's, it's, it's largely how they see things. That's where it starts from. People that are doing amazing things for God, people that are doing mediocre things for God, is how they see things. It's how they see things. Some people don't see limitations. Not that they've not been burnt. Not that they've not experienced betrayal. Not that they've not experienced l- lack of falling down. Or, but they always get up and dream bigger. They always get up and interact with dreams. Joseph, case in point, dreamt this first dream. What was his first dream? Chiefs bowing. They looked at him. I'm sure they started beefing him. Then he had a second dream. And second dream was what? Stars, sun and moon bowing down. They said, we are going to sell this boy. They sold him. He was still dreaming big. He refused to interact with Potiphar's wife because he was dreaming big. The people that had dreams came to him with all Joseph has seen with dreams. Dreams got him into prison. Then you are bringing dreams for me. I will run away. I don't want to dream. I don't want anything to do with dreams. <laughs> but not Joseph. He interpreted the first dream. He had interpreted the second dream until he interpreted the biggest dream of the land. The king's dream. You can't stop dreaming. You can't stop dreaming. You have to dare to dream again. You have to dare to, to, to stretch that curtain. Yes, 
you've met a wall. Big deal. It's painful. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, but shake it off. Shake it off. Dream again. It doesn't cost anything to dream. It doesn't. It doesn't cost anything. Just let your mind soar. So the question is, how is this thing going to happen? How does God, okay, I'm going to dream, Pastor, I've heard you. Now, how is this thing going to happen? God tells us in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. So, God, how is your dream going to happen? It's by God working where? Within, within. Like you said, there are people that, obviously, I always two categories of people. There are people that are like, um, Pastor, yeah, dream. Let's go for it. You know, let's dream big. There are some people that are like, <laughs> softly, softly, oh, dream. Let's, <laughs> can't we just live a normal, average life? Pay bills, <laughs> space goofies, grow up and die. <laughs> Why must we just keep? And I get you. But you see, Either you are a, hey, where's the dream? Or you are a, can we slow down? God is saying to you, I want to do great things through you. Whether you're a big dreamer, or you consider yourself an average dreamer, or no dreamer, God still wants to do great things in you. And the things he wants to do, boundless, limitless. Do you believe that this morning? God actually wants to do great things with me. He wants to do it. But it doesn't look like I feel so stuck. But that's why you are here. That's why I'm saying this to you. I want to do great things with you. And regardless, like I said, whether you are the dreamer or you are the uh, um, dreamer vast, 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3, 5, 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, Well, we are waiting. It talks about not being adequate. Stop. It says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from who? From God. Whether we are big dreamers or we are no dreamers, our adequacy is from who? It's from God. It's from God. It is the, our adequacy is, is called an humble confidence. Our adequacy is not from us. 
So what we are saying is this. It's, it's, not, it's not God can move mountains. It is God can make me adequate to move the mountains he wants moved in my life. So God can make you adequate. Regardless of whether you consider yourself a big dreamer or a no dreamer. So, question again. What is that thing? Or what are those things? You know, I, I wrote two things you know, I, I was, when I was preparing for this. And, I, I mean, looking at those two things is just ridiculous, you know. But I'm comfortable with ridiculous dreams. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm comfortable with ridiculous dreams. In fact, that's my forte. That's my stuff. I mean, you know. <laughs> they look ridiculous. I want to challenge you to write it down. Don't write 50 things. If you can, it's fine. But I, I kind of work with the fewer, the better. Two big dreams. Write it down. So the, f- the first thing that God, Jesus is teaching us, that if we are going to move mountains, is that we've got to what? Think big. We've got to think big. The second thing in, in this same scripture that Jesus is teaching us is that we have to start small. We have to start small. I mean, think big, start small. I mean, it's, you know that it's, like almost a cliche, but if it will make us remember how to move mountains, then we'll use it. We have to start small. How? Back to that same scripture. Back to the scripture in Matthew 17. Matthew 17, 20. It says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Guess what? You will say to this mountain, move, and it will move. Now, the challenge with us, and obviously like with the disciples, the, the challenge they had, and many of us, is that we look at the mountain that is before us, and we want to have enough faith to move that mountain. So, if obviously it's mountain also is big. So, because the mountain is big, we are looking at psyching out. A lot of people, when they want to develop their faith, it's more like revving or psyching themselves. But that's not faith. We are looking at how to pump up enough faith that will match up to the mountain. But Jesus is saying, no, that is not how to move mountains. If you want to move mountains, you stop looking at the mountains and trying to measure your faith up to the mountains. Jesus is saying, you look at the mustard seed, the smallest seed, and try and have a faith as small as the mustard seed. Then the mountain will move. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so it means that when you can get the mountainous-sized faith to move your mountain, then who takes the credit? You and your faith. Take, in fact, so people put faith in their faith. 
But our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is in our God. But if your faith is it's like the mustard seed and the mountain as huge as it is, it moves. Who takes the credit? Even you, you know that your faith is mustard. But the mountain will move anyway. Because that is what is required to move the mountain. We lose the mustard seed faith because we are trying to acquire the mountain-sized faith. But what is required to move the mountain-sized problem is not a mountain-sized faith. It's a what? A mustard seed faith. So, it's not a matter of how big your faith is. It's a matter of how big your God is. That's the summary of what Jesus is saying. It's not how big your faith is. You want to move mountains. I mean, many times you look at things and you're like, oh, my faith is not as big as that brother's faith or that sister's faith. If I can have as big a faith as, oh, my ass fellowship leader, ah, things will just be rosy. If I can have, God is saying, no, no, it's not how big your faith is. It's how big your God is. So God needs to reduce your faith to as small as a master said so that you can give room for him to walk and take out the mountain-sized problem. <laughs> to have this in proper perspective, if you look at, there's a picture of the mustard seed. It's going to come up on the screen. That's how small the mustard seed is. That seed, Jesus is saying, is not minimized in potential. It may be small in size. A mustard seed faith is not a small faith in the sense of potential. Because when the mustard seed is planted, guess what happens? It becomes a huge tree. Look at people under the, the tree. Look how big the tree is. And that tree came from that small seed. So if I can find my mustard seeds of faith and plant my mustard seeds of faith. It unleashes a huge potential that can move mountains. That's what it does. It unleashes it. And the, and the potential is limitless. And Jesus is saying, listen, what happens is this. When you have the mustard seed of faith, you give God the room to be God. Now, have you heard some people talk about their faith? You think they are God? Have, have you? Have you? Have you come across any of such? I have. You think they are the God? But Jesus says, no. <laughs> I want you to turn it on his head. You just need mustard seed faith. So, so the question is, how do I plant my mustard seed faith? What are the, the mustard seed faiths that I will plant. I'll give you four and we'll close. Are you ready for it? Do you want it or should we do just do one? Four. So how do I plant my mustard seed faith? <laughs> how do I plant my mustard seed faith? The first thing is this. It's 
The four of them are indispensable. Number one is totally indispensable. Two is indispensable. Three, indispensable. Four, indispensable. Number one, listen to God. Listen to God. Listen to God. Listen to God. Psalm 85 verse 8 says to us, I listened, I listened carefully to what God the Lord is saying. I listened carefully. I listen carefully. How can you build a life of faith if you don't know the word? How can you know the word if you don't listen carefully? We need to listen. Faith comes how? By hearing. And hearing by the word of God. We need to listen carefully. The challenge is many times we don't listen. Many times we assume and those of us that are husbands, you know, we, we need to um, listen more. But we, we already know what our wives want to say, don't we? Before they say it, we know it. And, and just go, this is what you, I just go to the point. We already know it. So, so, I mean, recently my wife was saying to me, you know, I was sharing at the ATM service how if you've not ate my wife's jollof rice, they won't allow you into heaven. When you get to the gate of heaven, they will ask, have you eaten Pastor Dami Jollof rice? You say, no, go back. You have not finished your assignment. <laughs> you need to taste it. <laughs> anyway, so, <clears throat> recently she was making the Jollof rice and I was working and waiting patiently. What else can a man do? <laughs> but to wait patiently for the Jollof rice. So, and, so she, she was going at and she says to me, after, it, it was almost just practically done. I think she just needed the moisture to, to get out. So she said, every 30 minutes, this, the cooker is on slow heat or whatever. Every 30 minutes, you stir it, you know, and just stir the top. Don't stir it from the bottom. Just stir the pot. I said, that's so easy. Is that how you people are cooking jello fries? That you think we can't do it? Just go. I will sort it out. I kid you not. I remember the jollof rice. I'm like, did she say I should stay 30 times? <laughs> and I was staying. I was counting. I think I got to 14. Then the phone rang. FaceTime. She says, oh, how is the jollof rice? I said, I'm actually staring it. She says, hey, is it 30 minutes? I said, hey, I thought you said I did say it to my mind. I said it 30 times. I said, I've done, I've done 14 times. I said, yeah, 30, every 30 minutes I'll do it. I'll do it. I just stayed from the top. And, we, and the jollof rice was beautiful. I mean, it was... The Midas touch was on it. The staring made it so delicious. The point is this. At the point of just... It sounded like a simple instruction, but we were not listening. Woman, is it not just jollof rice? You can handle that. And many times God is speaking to you and I. We are not paying attention. The first mustard seed of faith that you have to plant is you have to listen to God. Get a Bible. Download the version app. You have to listen to God. That's the first thing. The second thing you have to do, 
you have to pray. You have to tell God what you want. Tell him what you want. Prayer is easily the most important tool. Number one tool. All of them are important in moving mountains. You have to pray. You have to pray. But you notice when it comes to moving mountains, listening to God comes before praying. You have to listen first before you begin to pray. Many times we want to move mountains, we jump, we start, we start praying, we start commanding, we start, and nothing moves. Why? Because they don't move to your instruction. They move to his instruction. So you must have heard from him before you give the instruction. We have to pray. James 4, 2. You have not because you ask not. You do not have what you want because you do not ask God for it. Ask God for it. I mean, you must have heard that when we pray, we change. But that's like half of this, um, the situation of what can happen when we pray. When we pray, God will either change what you have or change what you want. Many times, we want him to change what we have. We have A, we want B. As many times, God will change what we have without changing us. Yes. But many times also, God will change what we want and not just what we have. I want this job. I want this job. I want this job. And you spend time praying for it. And after a while, God begins to put direct you somewhere else, and you get another job. Then three years, four years, five years down the line, you look back and you're grateful to God. That, ah, thank God I didn't get that job. That's how God does. But if you don't pray, you don't get the privilege of either God changing what you have or changing what you want. You don't get the privilege of moving the mountains. So if you want to move the mountain. You have to, number one, listen to God. Number two, pray. Tell God what you want. Number three, very crucial, forgive. Forgive. Jesus talked about moving mountains three times in the Bible, in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. In two of those instances, in Mark and in Luke, it was tied to a sermon of forgiveness. If you say to this mountain, if you stand and say to this mountain, to move it, we move. If you stand in prayer, forgive. Otherwise, your mountain will not move. That's what Jesus said. So, tied to mountain moving is forgiveness. Pastor, this is so painful. This is so unfair. I can never forgive this person. You are doing yourself a disservice. Forgiveness is a choice. You have to make the choice. You don't need to feel good, but you have to make the choice. She was so mean to me. He was so nasty. He was so this and that. I get it. But you have to move your mountain. You have to forgive. You can't change the other person, but you can forgive them. Praise the name of the Lord. In fact, so someone, someone said um, that 
While faith moves mountains, unforgiveness makes mountains. Unforgiveness makes mountains stand strong. Stand strong. So the question is not... Does God have the power? The question is, do you have the mustard seed of forgiveness? Do you have the mustard seed that is required to move the mountain? Do you have the mustard seed? And, and you see, many times it's easy to forgive. Sometimes not easy, but we, we kind of, if you grow in God, you, are, you stay long in God, you find that the, the hurt and the, the pain that has been done to you Ten years ago, you, you, you walk away from it. You forgive them. But the question is, what about the one that was done ten minutes ago or ten weeks ago? And, and we, we, we just stay there because we want, to, we want to have one on the person. We want the person to owe us something. So we kind of hold on to unforgiveness here and there to prove little points and win little battles, you know. But all you are doing is reinforcing your mountain. But your mountain will move today in Jesus' name. So you have to forgive. And for those that are finding it difficult to forgive, you're like, but Pastor, how? How? Ephesians 4 gives us the key that we can't and affectionate, compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Now, here's the key. Forgiving one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So, what does that mean? It means the power to forgive comes from being forgiven. The power to forgive comes from being forgiven. When we receive God's forgiveness, we have the power to forgive. When you look at the things that you have done, if God were to judge you on everything you have done, you will not be sitting here. I mean, if you think if God were to judge you for everything you have done, you'd be sitting here. Raise your hand. I hope no hands go up. Because <laughs> I would be so sad. <laughs> we all know that for a fact. So the power to forgive comes from being forgiving ourselves. So to move mountains, we need to plant the mustard seeds of faith. The mustard seeds of faith of listening to God. The mustard seeds of faith of telling God what we need. Praying. The mustard seed of faith of what? Forgiving. And number four, we need to plant the mustard seed of faith, of gratitude, of thanking God. And this Thanksgiving service, nothing is more powerful than Thanksgiving. It changes your perspective. I mean, if you, if you want to change, let's say you don't like your, your, your job, you don't like your boss, if you, if you sit down and write 10 things you are thankful for for him, your perspective begins to change. Say, Pastor, I can't write to that, that boss is very horrible. <laughs> no, no. 
if you, if you see that God will help you. By the time you begin to thank God for those things, your perspective changes. The mountains will move. Psalm 118, Psalm 118, verse 28 says, You are my God. I will thank you. You are my God. I will praise your greatness. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, what a wonderful God we have. How great are his wisdom and his knowledge and riches. How great. Thank God. When you thank him, scientifically it's been proven that it helps your health, your physical health. They say it affects your blood, your bloodstream. I don't know all the details, but they say that it does. Your, your, your defense system, your white blood cells. <laughs> it helps your relationships. You have peace. You live longer. Grateful people live longer. It changes how you see the mountains. In fact, the mountains don't even look like mountains if you've really spent time thanking God. You look at it and you're like, is this why I was fretting? The mountain may be an exam, maybe a career, maybe a health situation, it may be a relationship. But when we stay in the place and we thank God and thank him and thank him and thank him and thank him and thank him, we begin to see as God sees. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, I see. I see. And the mountain can now easily be moved because your perspective has been changed through gratitude. Thanksgiving changes your worldview totally. You know, if you are totally grateful, let's say for those that are married, let's say you are totally grateful for your spouse, and your spouse is really gets on your nerve, and you choose to focus on what you are grateful for, Many times we just refuse to focus on what we are grateful for. We want to focus on the thing that is paining us right now. <laughs> and that is what makes the mountain out of the issue. But if you focus on what you are grateful for, what happens? The issue is there. It will be resolved, but your perspective will change. So Jesus is saying to us, If you want to move mountains, you have to think big. What is that thing that if it were impossible for you to fail, if nothing was impossible for you, you will attempt for God? What is that thing? You know, I kid you not, many of the things we are doing today I'd had to believe that it can happen even when it looked like crazy 
If failure were not an option, what would you believe for? What would you believe for? So Jesus says, think big. But start small by planting these mustard seeds of faith, mustard seeds of listening to God, paying attention, praying, tell God what you need. Forgive. Mustard seeds of gratitude. By the time you stand and say to the mountain, move, it will move. And so you are not saying to the mountain to move in your strength. Thanksgiving has corrected your mind, your, your view. Unforgive, forgiveness has, has dissolved the mountain in your heart. Listening to God has put you in a place and put the right words in your mouth. So when you say to the mountain, move, what happens? It moves to the glory of God. Dr. Nuzo was talking about, you know, was, um, some, someone commanded a demon situation. I think the guy was mad, mentally, I mean, mad, it was a demonic issue. And he commanded the demons to go. And the man was still raving mad. And he just walked away. And after they came to him, they said, Oh, Oga, this man is well. He says, Hey, you'll be well now. You know, <laughs> I've given the word. That's my job. The mustard seed of faith. That's my job. The person to move the mountain will get the job done. The problem is we insist on getting mountain sized faith to move mountains that God has said it requires a mustard seed faith. Let's burn our hearts. Let's burn our heads. Oh, the mountains are going to move before you in the name of Jesus. Before we pray the mountain moving prayers, I want to pray with you. If you're here, you're like, Pastor, there's the, the mountain between me and God needs to move. Can you pray with me? I have this unlovable mountain. Can God love me? God loves you. I'm here to tell you that. Or the mountain of, I could never forgive them. Remember, faith moves mountains and unforgiveness makes mountains. And the power to forgive comes from being forgiving. You're like, Pastor, I need to receive God's forgiveness today. Can you pray with me? I want to come to this side where I can say to mountains to move. If that is you, wherever you are, you're seated, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want God to move this mountain of the mountain of weight of the cares and sins of the world to move out of my life. 
pray with me. Put up your hand over your head. Wherever you are sitting, don't need to come forward and I'll pray with you. Wherever you are sitting, that is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Put up your hand. God bless you, sir. Over here. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Until you get a card. Once you get a card, you can pull down your hand. God bless you. At, at that corner, at the back over there. God bless you. That is me. Keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can put down the hand and, and talk to God and say, Here I am. Anybody else? That is me, Pastor. Put up your hand. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. That is me. Pray with me. This mountain between me and God, I need thee to move. I need to come nearer to my God. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you, we ask. Everyone that has a mountain between you and them, we ask for. We say to the mountains to be moved in the name of Jesus we ask for your kindness and your mercy over them. Lord, do what no man can do. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Now, now, everybody else, I want us to say to God, this seeds, mustard seeds of faith, give me the grace to plant them. Give me the grace to plant the seeds of listening to you. Give me the grace to plant the seeds of praying. Give me the, the grace to plant the seeds of forgiveness. The seeds of gratitude. And so we thank you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord, for his kindness, his mercy, his compassion.